Well, it's great to, great to be here, and I always look forward to being here and uh, studying with you and talking with you in what we call our living room and talking about real life, and I've so enjoyed Pastor Jeff these last couple of weeks, and messy generosity last weekend really touched my heart because it's so true. It's not always neat and perfect. Sometimes it's messy. But last, well, this is the last weekend that we're going to be uh, having this series called I Like Giving. And I just really wanted to extend it a couple more weekends because some of the great stories that are coming in and some of the great things that are happening here at Timberline because of it. So thank you for just opening your heart to this and being a part of this. I know we're coming into an amazing season. How many of you know that Easter is three weeks away? You know, as a pastor, as a staff of a church like Timberline, we are already praying in all of our meetings, God, do something special on Easter. Because we know that we have people who come to church once or twice a year, Christmas and Easter. And instead of kind of dogging them over that, we celebrate that. And we want to plant some seeds in them that maybe, maybe they'll come back a little more than that. Maybe God can do something really special. Maybe there's a friend that you would like to invite. We're going to have a very... Uh, a wonderful service that, that really will reach people who are not yet connected to God. And we're going to try to really lay the gospel out there in a way that it makes sense logically and emotionally. And so uh, bring someone along with you. But please be praying for these next three weeks leading up to Easter. We'll have a really good time. And then our prayer series, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, most of you, many of you can quote the Lord's Prayer. But what does it mean when we say our Father? We're literally taking two or three words at a time and breaking it down and going into all kinds of depth with what it means when we pray the Lord's Prayer. So I'm really excited about that. It'll be a lot of fun. But anyway, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 if you have a Bible with you today and just leave it there. We're going to read a story that is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And when, when pastors say that, it often means it's my favorite story this week because I'm talking about it, right? But this one really is. It's gone beyond. It's in my life a lot and I refer to it a lot. In my personal life, I think about it a lot because it has some confrontation in it that is a challenge for me to kind of palate. Because I think both of these ladies have an amazing heart. One of them missed it just a little bit, but she's still putting it all out there on the line. How many of you know which story I'm talking about when I say these two names? Mary and Martha. Okay, a few of you already know. Well, I want to I just read this story to you, and then I want to talk about it a little bit. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, so here's a, a caravan of them coming down the road, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. That's a big deal. When you have someone over... You want to be prepared, right? And she was, as you'll see in a minute. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, and I love this, my Dear Martha, some translations say, Martha, Martha. And anytime the Lord says, says your name twice, it means 
Really listen to what I'm about to say. It matters. You are worried. You're upset over all of these details, but there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Oh, man, I'm already mad. Have you ever, have you ever been so excited to get someone on your side to, to help you justify your point? It's like, I've been doing all the work here. Would somebody please help me? She goes to the Lord. She lays it out there. She has this perfect case. She's going to win. And God says, Mary's right. And listen, this is so important. The, way, the tone of Jesus, it's, it's not a, a harsh rebuke. It's an invitation. It's an understanding. Because Mary has a gift. She has a gift of cooking dinner and the details uh, Martha does. And Mary has a gift of listening and worshiping. And she probably has that temperament that just wants to go and sit at the feet of Jesus. And I can just see Martha in the kitchen banging around. And she hears Jesus talking in there. And she's trying to get the pots. And she's got the boiling water. And she's looking back in the living room. Oh, she's cooking some more. And she's by herself. And she probably even looks out. And, and, and Mary, maybe she catches her eye and she's like, you know, it's just more frustrated as she goes. Finally, she has had enough. How many of you know what that means? Did your parents ever say, I have had enough? And that's what happened to her. She said, I'm done with this. And she leaves her kitchen. She goes into the other room, and, and then she says what you heard her say. Is this fair? I'm doing all the work in here. Sometimes in our lives, we get so caught up in the details of something that we forget the bigger picture of what giving really is. And we lose the ability to see something bigger in the moment than what we see right here, right now. I remember, I remember several stories where I definitely did this, where I'm, I'm deciding to have a nice Saturday morning with my son when he's three years old and we're going to build a birdhouse. And we go into the garage and I bought a little kit, you know, with the stuff. And... <laughs> It's going to be a blast, right? And I'm getting the wood, and I'm putting it up, and I'm putting the pins in it, and I'm saying, hey, Ryan, why don't you put this pin? And he grabs the board, and he throws it against the wall. <laughs> and he laughs. And I'm like, well, that's really not where that goes. Why don't you bring it over here and put it on here? And he brings it over there and gets a hammer, and it hits it. And I'm like, dude. You do that again, you're in trouble. And before you know it, he's not having a good time and I'm not having a good time. Why? Because I forgot, because I had something in mind that he was too young to understand. I, I didn't see the bigger picture of hanging out with my son. No more birdhouses. No more birdhouses. See, so now when Bonnie asks me to help with dinner, I just say, no, I'm just going to worship the Lord. I'm just worshiping the Lord, honey. I'll just circle the kitchen while you cook because I am doing the greater thing. Don't try that at home. I hope you understand that both of these women are gifted and both of them are using their talents. And, and Martha just missed that one moment of seeing something a little bit bigger. My heart really goes out for Martha in this story. Number one in your outline, let's get this thing moving. I am born with the capacity to give. I'm born with it. 
I'm born with this ability to feel good and there's something that happens in my body, and my mind. The fluids of my brain feel good when you are nice to someone. When you do something significant for someone, it, it releases that serotonin in your brain and you go, wow, this feels good. I like it. We're born with this capacity. Why? Because we are created in the image of who? God. And God is a giver. So just remember that. You have all the capacity you need. You might say, well, I'm, I'm kind of selfish. Well, that isn't the God side. You may have developed that because I watch little kids. It doesn't take very long before mine becomes their word. It doesn't take very long before I see adults where all of life is all about them. And you have to resist that. And there's disciplines in your life that you have to establish so that you don't bite that hook. Because materialism is taking people down. Selfishness is taking people down. And suddenly their world becomes this big and it's all about them. And they don't even see it in themselves. So we need to be the people who lead the way to change that. Our culture quickly teaches us to become self-centered. So who's the giver in this story, Mary or Martha? Both are givers. They're giving different things for different reasons, but both would matter to God. I'm, I'm going to invite Martha to my house, and Mary can come along. But if I want dinner, I need Martha there, right? So, so let's appreciate the gifts that might not be the same as ours, but let's also pay attention to the big picture of Jesus isn't going to be on the earth forever in this story, and Martha sort of missed it in that way. And Jesus isn't really harshly rebuking Martha. He's not calling her a bad person. He's reminding her. And that's what we need today sometimes. It's just a reminder that we're wired to give. And finding that right thing in how I'm wired to give can make a difference. So let's look. The second thing is this. Preparing to give is, is really essential in your life. Being prepared to say, I'm going to be a giver. And taking action so that you're not just caught unaware so that if you see a need or a need comes along, you can be prepared to do it. And, you know, it's always awkward to tell personal things sometimes because a lot of my personal stories would not be so great in the ways that I have failed. Other personal stories could exonerate me and it could seem like arrogance. And I don't, I don't want either. But, but I think it's important. For, for Bonnie and I, we have a little fun that we've set aside that we say, this is going to be for those surprise moments that come when we want to help somebody. And it's not a lot of money, but it's a little bit. And we've been able to help people with it when something comes. And you go, hey, let's do this. This is a worthy cause. Let's pay attention to this. And we're prepared to do it. And it's not like, all right, are you ready not to eat for three days? It's not like that because we've planned. And I encourage you to plan. In our Bible story, Martha is prepared to give out of her love language. I'm going to cook. I'm going to buy food. It, it takes a lot to go buy the food. This is not... Today, she couldn't go down to Costco and just buy a big sheet of lasagna, which is really good, by the way. <laughs> she couldn't do that. She's buying food. She's cooking it up. It's hand done. And, and her little fires, all the things that she's doing, it's a lot of hard work. And Mary is prepared to give out of her love language. So they're both prepared. It's just the priority. I, I love the story. I was meeting with a guy in our church uh, named, named Keegan 
the other day, and his wife is Jessica, and they, some of you know Keegan and Jessica. They have a, a daughter named Kira. And Kira is a, a young lady who noticed that as they were driving through town at different times, they would come to a four-way stop or be pulling out of Walmart, or, and she would see these people on the side of the road with a sign, usually a cardboard sign, and it would say, God bless you, or anything helps, or, and they would be sitting on the ground. Sometimes they would have a backpack there. Sometimes it would be two people. Sometimes there would be a pet. And she started inquiring about this. Something touched her heart about these people who are, many of them are, are homeless. And so something touched her. And I know, I know the rules that were told from our city. Be careful about this. Don't give them cash. It goes on and on and on. But Kira said, I can do something because something's going on in my heart. And so she goes home and she tells her parents, I want to prepare some little bags of food that I can just hand out the window when I drive by somebody like this. We have some pics of Kira, and, and, and she, started, she started bagging up this food on her kitchen table. This is her, and she buys these waters and these bags, and see how she's hand-drawn on these bags? So this is their kitchen table, and they're lined up, and they're getting ready to put food in a bag, and they keep these in the back of their car so that when they come upon people like this, she can just pull out a bag, hold it out the window, and say, there you go, I hope it helps. And when I saw this in all these pictures, I thought, here's a little gal who is prepared. She's given some forethought to this. The other day, after I saw this and, and talked with them, I I was, I, I was driving out of a store, and there was, sure enough, there was someone sitting there. And I thought, man, I wish Kira was with me right now. I, wish, I need some of those bags in my car, you know. And so it's just a great idea. And I'm, and I'm not saying that all of you need to go out and, and prepare. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm going to go buy one of those people, and they're going to have ten bags sitting around, and, you know. And I'm going to go have lunch with them. How's that? That's what I'm talking about when I say be prepared. Because... because she took it to another level. And in, and in your life, that might mean, it might mean you know there's someone at work that's grumpy, always. And they always need a latte or a certain kind of a latte. What would, what would happen if you just brought them in a latte from Starbucks or their favorite coffee shop and said, I wanted you to start your day with this? What would happen? Typically when someone's grumpy, we like to let them live in their grumpiness. Because it's so frustrating to see people who are always grumpy anyway. And they're not going to appreciate the latte in the way that you hope they will. They might not even say thank you. Or they might say, I've already had one. But they're going to know you tried and you did something. And you hope they say that because then you can have it for yourself. <laughs> Think about planning. Okay, things to consider. Now, I, I, I just... I'm being really silly here for a moment, but I, I have to do this. I, I really feel prompted to do it because I, I think it's so simple that it goes right over our head. We have in our lives what is called income. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but just think, how, most people know how much money they make. Would you agree? Some of you are on commission and your monthly check varies. It depends on if you sell. And so it fluctuates. But usually there's an average. Or at the end of the year, you could divide it by 12 and go, that's an average for the month. 
I think it's very important for you to understand that whatever that income is, however much money you have, that out of that is going to come, secondly in your outline, what? Expenses. Right? How many of you have some expenses in your life? Okay, if you don't, I need to meet with you and figure out your secret. But we all have expenses. Now, what's important about this is how much money do I spend? This is just so valuable that you understand that your expenses need to be a little bit less than your income. Have you figured that out yet? I, years ago, I met with a gal. This is, this is like when I first became the pastor here, and, and she's moved away, and she's an awesome person. But she was young, and she said, can you help me with my finances? And I said, I'll try. She set up an appointment and I said, um, let's just start. And she's asking me all this, releasing me to know this information. Let's start with your income. She said, well, about 50000 a year. And this was a long time ago. And I said, wow, that is, that's an amazing income uh, in Fort Collins at that time. And she said, well, because I, 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 I said, you're a, you're a teacher, right? You teach at this. And she said, yes. She said, well, I, my salary is 20000 a year. But she said, I have two credit cards that are $15,000 each. And so my capacity is $50,000. And I said, I'm glad you came in today. <laughs> because that's not how it works. It's super important. When you read the stats of Americans who spend more than they make, and they start digging a hole, and debt starts to take them out. This sounds silly, but some of you in this room, you're way upside down. And, and, and here's the thing, I, I'm, I'm loving you enough to say, confront this in your life so that you can be a giver. You can't be a giver if you're spending more money than you make, amen? So don't take this as a rebuke, take it as an invitation to say, am I doing a good job with what I have? I might need to change my lifestyle. I might need to stop buying that latte. I might need to pay attention to what it's going to be so that I can pay my bills and have something to give. Now, I realize some of you are on fixed incomes. How many of you are retired? You know, some of you have fixed incomes, and it's great, and you have a lot of money. You're not worried about it. Others of you are, as they call, shoestring budget. Every penny is accounted for. You're not going to probably be able to give out of treasure, but you can give time and talent. And that's the joy of this. It's all giving. One isn't greater than the other. I need to just keep moving here. This, this is budget. You can tell I haven't preached in a couple weeks, huh? <laughs> budget. Some people budget, some people don't. And all a budget is is taking your income and expenses and putting together a system by which you know ahead of time how much money it's going to take for the month for you to pay all your bills and how much money you're going to have left over, how much you're saving, how much you're giving. What this does is it puts it right in front of you, the details of your financial picture. And I encourage you, if you haven't done this, get in there and do it. Um, you know the two groups that rarely set a budget? People with a lot of money and people with hardly any money. Because the people with a lot of money don't need it. They don't care. They can spend whatever they want. doesn't matter. And the people who don't have any money start out so hopeless that what, what good does a budget do? I don't have any money to budget. And so they buy that lie, both groups, and then they end up overspending on things that they probably don't even want if, if you're rich. 
And then you end up just buying things to survive that probably isn't a plan that's going to help get you out of that hole. So all of us need financial planning. It's biblical. It's scriptural. And I want you to succeed in your finances. The fourth thing that I'm not going to write up here, but you can write it down, is this. Financial Peace University. This is a class. How many of you have taken it? Just wave at me. It's a class that really handles all of these, this financial picture in a way that's smart, in a way that's godly. You're probably not going to agree with everything that's stated in the class. So what? I tell people, eat the meat, leave the bones. It's like eating chicken. You eat the meat, you leave the bones. But it's going to leave you with information, a worksheet, a way to figure all this out, and then you have the power to do some things that you want to do, and you're not powerless with the finances. We have a class going on right now, and each week is self-contained. You don't have to go from 1 to 9 or 12. You can jump in at any time. So go ask when it is and when they meet. Go on our website and show up there and get in this process. And then number five, lastly, is non-financial giving, time and talent. Time and talent. And I referred to this earlier. Not everyone has money they can give, but they have something even better, their life. You know, what does it mean to go to an elementary school and volunteer to read books to kids or to help people learn to read? What is that worth? I remember years ago when Tavelli Elementary was building a playground and a bunch of our, a bunch of dads, we said, um, they had this big vision of this big playground they were going to put out there. And they said, we need, you know, 30 volunteers to come for three Saturdays in a row or whatever it was. And, and I told Bonnie, I'm in, I'm in for that. I love this kind of stuff. And we would show up and they'd have everything ready and organized. And all we did was like drill boards in and fall. They had people. And it was so great. And every time I drive by Tavella, I look over there and I just go, I was a part of something that, small, but it, it's still impacting kids today. And it does give you that good feel buzz to be a part of something like that. didn't cost me a dime. It just took some time, and not much talent, because they had it all set out for us, so that was a good thing. But think about that. Think about the people running cameras today, and lights, and showing up, and ushers, and greeters, and people who are helping count offerings, and do the things that happen in a church like Timberline. Thank God for you. Thank God that we have people who can give out of those ways. Okay, number three. What I give changes throughout the years. This point's going to be really fast, because I'm slipping out of time here. Um, what I give changes throughout the years. Let me give you an example. When Bonnie and I moved here, Ryan, our firstborn, was one and a half years old. We immediately, she, she was pregnant with Erica. We had Erica, so we had two kids, three and under, and it was busy, and the church was busy, and that's when the pastor went to everything, and the pastor's wife went to everything, and you unlocked the building early and you stayed and locked it up and went home afterwards and you shoveled the snow and you mowed the lawn. You, it was just a big deal. And so there was a lot of busyness in our life. And so we said, why don't we get in one of these childcare sharing things where you watch our kids, we'll watch yours. You know, how many of you have been a part of that before at some stage in your life? Well, it was really helpful for us for a season. And then, <laughs> I'll never forget the day this hit me because it was our turn to go watch some awesome kids. And they were really awesome, but I just, I just didn't have anything left in the tank. And I said to Bonnie, I said, you know what? We need to change our budget. We need to find a way to, to do something less so that we have money to pay childcare 
because we can't keep going this direction. We were just at a season in our life where we were broke most of the time, and it's the only way we could do it. And then when we came out of that a little bit and we could afford child care by making some adjustments, I thought I'd gone to heaven. You know what I mean? Now, if they would have offered to trade children straight across, I might have found a few takers with that. But sometimes, you know, I thought it was very expensive raising kids. Some of you have families, and then, and then our kids went to college. How many of you know what that feels like? And we, not everyone, you know, should pay for their kids' college. I'm not suggesting that, but we, that was a goal of ours, is to make sure our, our kids can have college and that experience. And we worked hard. And we sacrifice to make that happen. And so you're choosing different stages in your life. And sometimes you have years when you make more money. Sometimes you make less. And so you pay attention. Just pay attention to what you are giving and what, how you can give that makes a difference. Number four, to whom I give matters to God. To whom I give matters to God. I am really picky about what I give to. Bonnie and I both. We agree together and we come up with all the things we want to give to and we divide it up and we give it monthly. And, and most all of it is through Timberline Church. And I, I'm telling you, give through an organization that you believe in. Because the church like this, we vet organizations, we, we pay attention to who's doing what. I was in a grocery store the other day and it was in another state and they said, would you like to, I had like 36 cents uh, Get coming back to me. And they said, would you like to change up? They call it the change up and give to kids. And they tap this little box and it's like kids, help kids, something, something. And my first reaction was, of course. And then I thought about this message and I thought about what I feel about this. And I said, I said, you know what? No thanks. I don't, I don't know anything about that organization. I'm sure it's awesome, but I don't know anything about it. And I like knowing what I'm giving to. So before you think I'm just really hard-hearted, because um, normally I would do that, I think I'm going to stand before God someday, and he's going to say, who did you give to? And I need to know. And I need to pay attention. And it needs to matter that I got that right. Do you know that there are some nonprofits that basically 60, 70, 80% and more never reach the need, but it's all taken for administration? And so you think you're giving to a kid and, and, you know, a dime of your dollar actually goes to help a kid. Well, that's not okay with me. I would be convicted about that. And so that's why I think you need to really pay attention to what you give to and who you give to. But give. Pay attention to that. And trust the organizations that you believe in and find out about them. And if I lived in that state, I would probably research that group. So if I shopped there all the time, I could put my change in there because I believe in that kind of stuff. Number five, and lastly... Why I give is a matter of the heart. Why I give is the matter of the heart. It's, it's, it should not be out of guilt. It should not be out of pressure or manipulation. It should be because my heart is being compelled to give. Sometimes it's out of obedience. Sometimes it's out of caring or empathy. That's okay. But Jesus confronted the religious leaders when he said, you give so everyone can see you. You pray so everyone can hear you. In other words, you never give to impress other people. You should never give to win favor, you know. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. You owe me, remember? Never give because of that reason. And never give to control people. I watch families sometimes, parents who control their kids because, you know, I gave you this car and if you don't do this and this, 
there's balances in that, but you, you shouldn't try to control people through money. And our giving has to be real giving. Best motivation for giving is loving other people, helping other people. It's need-based. I see a need, I jump in. Believing in a cause, you get behind it and you go, I'm going to give to this, I'm going to make a difference to this, and you give to the right agencies to make it happen. I believe in advancing the kingdom of God. What can we give to that does that? We've found a lot of those as a church. I want you to take a look at a video that touched me. And it's, uh, how many of you have ever heard of Michael Jr.? He's a comedian. He was here a few months ago, I think in October or maybe December, but um, funny guy, a real, real brother in the Lord, a great believer. And listen to what he has to say about giving. People ask me all the time, Michael, what was your big break? Our next guest is performed on Comedy Central's Premium Blend. He made his first appearance on The Tonight Show from the Montreal Comedy Festival. You've seen him on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. That wasn't a big break. The big break was at a club Right before I got on stage, I had a change in mindset about comedy. Normally when a comedian gets on stage, he wants to get laughs from people. And I felt a little shift take place, where I felt like I was to go up there and give them an opportunity to laugh. Now I'm not looking to take. I'm looking for an opportunity to give. This changed everything. My name is Michael Jr. I'm gonna do some jokes. Ultrasounds come in color now, which is ridiculous. I know it's a black baby. It better be a black baby. I leave the club that night, and there's all these people giving me hugs and high fives, telling me their favorite jokes. Then I look across the street, and I saw a homeless guy. And I thought to myself, what about him? Most comedy, most jokes are set up. My son, four years old, looks at me out of nowhere. And he says, Dad, I want to be a doctor. I was like, yes, yes. And then a punchline. Then he said, or a dinosaur. <laughs> I understand that me doing comedy and doing all of these TV shows and making all these people laugh is really just a setup. My punchline is to make laughter commonplace in uncommon places. We go to Montrose, Colorado, a place called the Dolphin House. They take care of children who have been abused by their parents. And this grandmother explains to me that her um, grandson is being abused by his mom. He's so afraid of his mom that everywhere he goes, he wears a Spider-Man costume. So I get on stage, sitting right up front, Spider-Man. I start doing comedy. People start laughing slowly but surely. Probably about 25 minutes into it, I hear a voice. And the voice says, my name is Ronan. And this little boy pulls off his mask. And it was one of the most powerful moments in my entire comedy career. Here's the deal. If we could just stop asking the question, what could I get for myself? and start asking the question, what can I give from myself? I think people would learn that you don't have to be a comedian to deliver a punchline. That really touched me about that little boy who felt protected behind the mask of Spider-Man. I can't get hurt here. How many people in our culture have on a mask? It may not be Spider-Man, but it might be calloused, it might be tough, 
It might be sorrow. But God loves you as you are and it's safe with God to take off your mask. And I think it's important if we're gonna be givers that we receive full forgiveness and grace to love how God made us and to be released to reach our fullest potential so that we might give out of what, what this creation was created to give out of. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your touch in our lives, for your healing in our pain. I pray, Lord, for people in these rooms today that need to take off a mask. Life has treated them harshly. Rejection is real. Forgiveness is hard. But I pray today they will see that you are the healer of the wounds and you want to give healing so that they might give their life to you and to others for the glory of God and for the building of the kingdom of God. If you know you need this touch today from God, I'm going to ask you to just pray this prayer with me. Just, it, does, it doesn't mean you're not a person of faith. It just means that you need, you need this identity that says, I want to be more of a giver and I want to think more about others than myself. So just say something like, Lord, I've been caught up in so many emotional wounds. My life is filled with some scars that are hard to overcome and I've been consumed with so many of these things that I need your healing. I need your touch. And today help me take off this mask and discover who I really am with you leading my life in every dimension. Show me how to hold my hands out and surrender to you in my time, in my talent, and in my treasure that I might be a used vessel in giving to others the way you have given to me. We pray this, Lord, in your wonderful name. Show us as a church how to be the kind, loving people that are the family of God. In your name, amen. I love you guys, and I want to tell you, our culture right now is really divided, as you know. One of the things that is going to help us is if Christians, people who are really followers of Jesus, stay loving and kind and helpful. Because there are a lot of mean Christians right now lashing out, and it's concerning to me. That's not going to change the heart of someone who is lost. And it's not, being mean isn't going to help us. We should care, we should pray. But let's make sure that we like giving. Let's make sure that in our heart we can confront but not hate. And there is a big difference. Be praying about that over these next few weeks as we go into Easter. Because I want to talk some about this even on Easter Sunday and that weekend. It's going to be a challenge. So keep it in your prayers. I appreciate you, and I love you. We need one another. Amen? Amen. Ushers, come, would you? Because um, we like giving. <laughs> if you've never been a percentage giver, I mean this. I would invite you to try it. This is our last weekend. I would ask you to just consider saying, I'm going to do something every week, every month. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to become that steward 
percentage giver. And if you've never tried that, try it for a season. God says, test me and see. And so do that and see. And let me know your story if uh, you start doing that today. Lord, thank you for the fact that we can give financially, treasure, and uh, many other ways as well. But use this offering to meet needs. Thank you that these dollars are going to make a difference with a lot of people. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.